Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. I was going to do the face again because I always apparently like put my hands on my head when I say, welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking it to you live with another episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure, the kings, and the quest, Azkabellum. We're almost done with Azkabellum, I promise. But in the last episode, uh, or at least episodes, our party have been traveling alongside Escabellum. They had met with the Avian people. They had met with Barai's folks and had heard that Chazelle, the one they are seeking, apparently had traveled through these lands, had met with Thrykreen as well as Desmodu. Who are the Desmodu? Let me tell you. Strange bat people living in caverns and catacombs beneath the uh, mountains, uh, sort of bisecting the northern half of the, uh, the island there of Escabellum. Our party befriending Kalamaza, who happens to be a Desmodu, uh, he guided them on the same path that Chazelle had gone through a breakneck, uh, sorry, breakneck. Yeah. Redneck breakneck. What did I say? Brackneck. Brackneck. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, on our breakneck course, uh, through the caverns, uh, beneath the mountain, the quickest way to get to Era Steading, the home of the fanatical children of Era, uh, the water goddess there, uh, she had taken apparently the fastest route possible, but that same route was apparently riddled with purple worm trails, as well as drought and apparently ogre boys. Our group, minus Jarzak and Kick the Click, had a harrowing experience traveling through these uh, difficult little tunnels here on the back of bats uh, with their guide, Kalamaza. Uh, Jarzak and Kick the Click, however, had a very interesting... Uh, I, I don't even know what you want to call it. It was a nice frolic through the mountainside. I was just on a different adventure. <laughs> but anyway, the... Uh, party after near escaping the clutches of the drow barricade as well as the purple worm and all that other good stuff uh rejoin here outside of the mountain at about daybreak uh looking in the distance at the jewel in the sand irresteading a walled sandy city in the middle of absolutely nowhere that seems to somehow be flourishing and doing just fine our friend kalamaza having been wounded uh basically laying there on the bat that's kind of come to a crash landing so uh with that we begin game uh with the bats all kind of coming to a landing in the uh, sands or at least in like a mountainous little uh cropping here a little little pass anton's gonna do a medicine check on our friend <laughs> very well go ahead yeah guess when they land he's just gonna like 
rip off all like the straps on his own bat and just struggle over to Kalmaza and then do a medicine check. See how I do. I like I like thinking that Klika can't get the child Garden safety 11. straps off. Just can't no, push she, down hard enough. She is fully locked in. With an 11, um, you can tell that uh, Kalmaza's poisons, again, it wasn't very strong poison. It's a sedative. It's meant just to knock him out. And he'll probably be back in like 50 minutes, 45 minutes when he wakes up. He's a big guy, so he'll probably take care of it a little bit quicker. But um, Would yeah. a cure wounds make a difference at all? No. He's just yeah. kind of sleeping off a little nap nap right now. All right, I'll leave him. Leave him behind. The party continues onward. <laughs> <laughs> taking his bat. Can you imagine just waking up like that in the mountain? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and he took his bat. Fools, guys, ditch me. Now we only stuck with this a dead rabbit for some uh, for some <laughs> desert blood. <laughs> you know. So anyway, apart from dead rabbits, what's the party up to? It's about the end of day, and you can see Iris standing in the distance. It's assumed that Chazelle must have gone here. And even looking at the place in the distance, there even feels like some strange sense that this place itself is very important by how brutally isolated it is, how perfect and well-maintained like the, uh, the architecture of the place is. And the fact that it's just like, I don't want to say it, there's just an eerie feeling when you look at it. it like it stands out so well pronounced even as a structure as a series of buildings but like somehow looking at it it feels like something so much more significant than that as if some essence or spirit dwells within uh can norhill get a ballpark on about how far away it is from where we're standing I'd say about 10 miles i mean not 10 miles sorry about like five miles Oh, well, I guess, I guess that that shortcut was worth it. Easy march to the destination. Fair enough. Um, uh, and so if the party... Oh. Do, do we want to wait for uh, Kalamazza to wake up? Or... That may be best. Just knowing what we've been told about this place, it might... Be better to go in with a plan. I, Anton just looks down at his robes. He's like, I do not plan on hiding who I am, but I imagine it will give us some grief. I'd rather everyone be ready in case that occurs. I mean, all I can Sorry. I was I was just gonna say, from what you know and from what you've heard from asking in the last like eight episodes of the show. The children of Era are the ones that they warned you about, that if they see you in holy robes, you will have them first torn off and then maybe another layer of skin or so. Like, this is not the place to go being a martyr and, like, carrying around your religious garb. They will take firm offense to this. This will be, like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's walking into a holy city with, like, a different team's garb that they've labeled as, like, an enemy of God. And you're just walking in with it on a t-shirt. I'm not saying don't. I'm just saying it's going to be very sh assuredly a bad idea if you're trying to keep it on the DL or if you're not trying to like 5v500. You know what I mean? Anton needs to meditate on this. He needs to concentrate on the setting sun and meditate on his decision. 
Well, we'll be walking through dark anyway, so another hour or two isn't going to make a huge difference. Gives a nod okay. and concentrate on the sun, try not to blind himself. Okay. And what I'll say is, as you sit there and meditate... I'm setting in the north. <laughs> yeah, as it sets in the north today. Oh, God. Um, a strange sense of warmth kind of cuts through the cracks and the rocks ahead of you as where you're sitting, you kind of like get to see the sun go down. But as it reaches like a sort of a pinnacle of, of descent where it's like at its brightest and that nice orangey kind of glow, it strikes between two rocks that like sort of make jagged teeth. And as it does, it shines a light like perfectly onto your like tabard, your holy symbol on your on your vestments there. And as it does, you feel a strange desire to approach the edge and look deeper into the sun. I do it. Okay. So standing up and walking over there as Kalmaz awakens from his little slumber there and starts to wonder where the heck he is, um, you approach the edge of the cliff here and look off in the distance at the setting sun, and you feel a faint sense that something out there is communing with you. Should I do like a religious check or? I mean, you just sort of embrace it. Insight. Just Don't say hello. Stop rolling dice. Okay. What well, do I guess, you do? What's this? I guess that's the the term. Well, I guess I'm, I guess I'm trying to better understand. Does he like? Is it like a a voice that's communing with him? A presence? Like you feel a, a spiritual magnetism that has pulled you to the edge here, and as you get closer and closer, you feel it sort of like suspending and like holding on to you, as if you know, like something has tried to summon you. You are here. Anton just asks, Illuminator, are you calling for me? And with that, a sense of warmth comes from the ray of light that was there before, but a little bit firmer now, as if a warmth inside, like chicken noodle soup. And so with that, as you kind of stand there, I did you say it out loud or in your head? Um, I think he'll say it out loud, like any okay. parent. I don't know. He knows it's not so, in his head. You feel some sense as if something's answering, sort of something like hit the record button on the tape recorder here, and you feel like the gear spinning in your head, like something's listening to the conversation. And as you feel this sense of like a one-on-one -on -one communication going on, you hear a faint voice calling to you in the distance, and it sort of reverberates in a weird voiceless way, but it gives you this sense that something needs your help. And this doesn't feel like something that's like, come help me, help me. You feel like your soul being demanded, but not in a way of like being a soldier or a worker or being forced against your will. You feel that same magnetism that pulled you to the cliff. And now something's pulling you towards that holy site. You know, it doesn't like, it's not screaming for you to come help, but you feel as if like you may be the only one who can do this. And the faintness of the tone makes it seem like, this is sort of a last ditch effort of sorts. Something is calling to you and it's it's desperate, but it's not like screaming. You know what I mean? It's and like sort you said, of the last coming from, chance. It's coming from Ira's setting. And it's heading in that direction. And mm -hmm. you can tell that this must be directed in some way by the illuminator, but it's hard to tell like if the illuminator needs the assistance or not. It would seem that's not the case, but something seems to be pulling you in that direction. And as that last glimmer seems to pull you in that direction, you feel a tugging at your tabard 
and starting to kind of like pull at your armor in different directions as the winds pick up, as the sun begins to set further into purples and blues in the sky, you feel your tabard suddenly feel a lot heavier than it did before. Your vestments all of a sudden taking on a level of like wet clothing, kind of damp, heavy that you hadn't felt before. And I'm just thinking, I didn't get that sweaty, did I? <laughs> and he starts gel. pulling it off because he thinks he might have sweat through it. He thinks he had like just a really powerful connection and he got all excited and sweaty. <laughs> that is this something that happens every time Anton casts spells? How sweaty is Anton on just like a day-to-day basis when communicating with the Illuminator? No, I never thought I about mean... it. No, go ahead. Uh, what? I imagine it happens. Think, like this time, I think it's really like apparent. He's like, oh no. <laughs> Sweaty Mark Hamill. I don't like this anymore. <laughs> he didn't even sweat in freaking Tatooine. I don't want to know what he's sweating out here. It's weird. Larry, but, um, well, he starts pulling off the vestments because he's kind of afraid he soiled them. Um, but yeah, and as you do so, you finally hear something in your head. And it just says, peace and silence now. Just gives a nod. And okay. And so with that, Kalmaza sort of pulling himself out of a groggy hangover of sorts here, sits up and he looks around at you guys and he has just a dumbfounded look on his face as if like he just went through a nightmare that looking around the group and seeing like, you know, feeling an acid burn on his back. He's starting to wonder like, that wasn't a dream, was it? You know, you can read it clear on his face. And he looks around at you guys and he says, we made it. Now look for yourself. Free from sound for the most part. And so he pulls his little goggles off and you see his tiny little beady black eyeballs, um, which you expected his eyes to maybe be a little bit bigger, fitting the size of his head. But no, he's just got tiny little like skittle eyeballs and he's just and he's looking around in the dark now and a small toothy grin comes over him and he says, you know, we probably couldn't do that again if we wanted to. I don't imagine we could and I'd prefer not to try. Well, I don't know how you expect us to get back. We'll go around. He nods very sarcastically, like, hmm, hmm, good idea. But anyway, with that, he says, so uh, I suppose if what you're looking for is the uh, studding, and he points one of his grubby, furry fingers off in the distance um, as the uh, moonlight and starlight seem to illuminate in the distance. And he says, well, there it is. I suppose this is where we part. Well, it wouldn't be fair of me as a guide to leave. I'll wait here in the caves. If you need my assistance, whistle. I'll try my best to get the fleet going to come get you. But I can't come with you to the studding. Thank you for your services, just Be safe. And so with that, he kind of like reaches a hand out in Klika's direction and in Jarzak's direction as you guys to go to go. And he says, I don't know a nice way of saying this, but I don't think you understand the state of affairs in the study. 
you will not be allowed in. As he points to like Norhill and Anton, and he points to Cleek on Jarzak now again. You will be allowed in, but not as guests. And I'm afraid not even as prisoners. Will there to be neither guests nor prisoners, what will they be? He First. looks to you with his tiny little black beady eyes, and the silence tells you everything you need to know. Time to make some new enemies. And with that, he says, enemies are fine when they know fear. These enemies think they know God. Well, Cleek has met at least one, two gods? Three. Omar throws a snowball. (laughs) (laughs) What? So, Cleek is ready. If if Klika isn't welcome when she gets there, then we'll figure all of us together. We'll figure something out. We always do. Anton's going to just fold up his vestments, put them in his pack, and then he'll just be wearing his armor with like a plain tunic and pants. And he'll just make sure his lantern's on his hip and he really doesn't feel a need to hide that. Fair enough. Yeah. And so with that, he just reiterates using the whistle and everything. And kick the click, uh, not knowing anything's wrong, is stopped by Kalmaza and quickly turns to him as if an enemy. And Kalmaza jerks away, afraid of what may happen next, and just kind of says, look, I don't know what your plan is for hiding. Or, or at least getting around defenses. I don't think this one understands what you're doing. Well, that's okay. Klika doesn't really know what she's doing either. Kalmaza looks very puzzled. Fucking apparently everybody looks really puzzled, but you know what? Anyway, and so with that, he just kind of looks at you as if, I guess you guys know what's best. And he just sort of gestures a hand and sort of says, if you want to, I can let you borrow the bats. For at least now. They'll drop you off once you get close enough and they'll know to come back when I whistle. Oh no, that's fine. You don't have to. Oh, okay. Norhill, <laughs> you, you still haven't unstrapped yourself. It'd be really easy. <laughs> Norhill's just been sitting there the whole time. <laughs> no, 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 no. He got down as soon as possible. Um <laughs> Uh, d- quick question so that I can maybe roll some dice uh, uh, off to the side here. Is this long enough to be a short rest? Uh, yeah, you'd have an hour while waiting for him to wake up. So everybody got that short rest. Uh, yeah, no, nice. in the meantime, I got my spells back. In the meantime, what? I think uh, Anton needs to get. I need to hit myself with a health. I'm not really feeling too great. <laughs> I mean, you could also, on the short rest, you could use some of your uh, your hit die. All right. Yeah, I feel like we don't run into that too often. No. This seems like a good enough place to do it, though. 
I'm sure you won't be in a dungeon later and need that short rest healing. I'm sure that will never happen. Why didn't that work? So, uh, and do you remember how to do that, Ronnie? Yeah, I'm just trying to make sure it actually takes effect. It's not taking effect. If you're on D&D Beyond, so you click on short rest and then you check off however many of your hit die you want to do and then click the take short rest button. Do I have to hit the reset max? Do I have to hit the reset max HP? Are you hitting... Uh, did you lose? She oh, you're, right now. you're, ta- I, you're taking a long rest. You need to. There's a short rest button. Yeah, no, I'm doing it. It's, <laughs> it's. I'm doing it. I'm confirming it, but it's not actually applying the health dice. Did you? Did you check off the boxes for the health die? I checked off the two boxes. Yeah. Why is this not doing anything? Modern I, technology, I, everyone. I got it in one. Say. That's all I'm going to say is I got it in one easy piece. Oh, no, it's not working. <laughs> Let me just roll 2D set, 2D, whatever. Uh, I spent four get max. Okay. Oh, you, did you click the take short rest button? I see them checked off. Yeah, I'm clicking them. <laughs> I'm All the excitement short of rest. I'm confirming it. I have completed the short rest. No, yeah, I don't know. Fucking mad at me. I tried to. Maybe it's because I'm it on a work. tablet. Who knows? I don't know. I'll just I'll just roll two D. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. And then make sure you add your con mod for each of them. Yes. So with that, are you actually not taking the bets? Uh, um. Norhill just doesn't like flying. That's why he said that. Norhill, uh, the bat, the bats are gonna be a lot quicker. Walking five miles and in the sand, fighting I, scorpions. I, yeah, <laughs> I think, I think I, we can't really do what me, Klika, and Click did in order to meet back up with you, with all of us. And this is Klika's home now. And you look over, and Klika has unsuccessfully the entire time gotten herself out of the saddle but she has loosened enough off the bat where it's now just she's sideways on the bat with like her face against the ground just laying there that whole, the whole time just like sort of taken out like yeah this is where Kleeka lives now <laughs> oh very good I remember why I do this very well drop me in well Kalamaz straps you in reluctantly Seeing the genuine fear on your eyes and the pee in your pants. Um, I was hoping I could get a spit take out of Anthony, but I guess not. You know, got to try a little harder than that. All right. Well, you know what? Okay. So with that, it's, it's, on it's, not, it's not like a simple pun would do it. Yeah, right. Of course not. So on Batback, the party, including Kick the Click, now without Kalmaza, go venturing off uh, farther north towards Erastetting. And again, as you guys get closer and closer, the flickering lights of torches and um, and um, lanterns in the uh, in the city seem to alarm you that like this is a very well populated place. It's not like a metropolis or anything like that, but it is like a tight walled fortress that is populated to say the least and as you guys get closer and closer you see the walls outside probably about 15 to 20 feet tall and it seems like there are individual guards of every once in a while kind of circulating around the wall the overall shape of this place is i guess what i would say like 
pentagonal, I guess is a good word for it, with the flattest side here making sort of like the base of a typical pentagon, um, sort of bisected by something of a, a rocky landform that kind of juts up like a giant tooth out of the gums here of the sands. And so, uh, yeah, so what? So I guess they probably land you guys about half mile away from the place. Um, what would you like to do? It seems like from the sky view vantage point, there's one entrance to the place, and that's on basically the uh, star's point here on the Pentagon. So what would you like to do? I don't suppose that there's anything else we can do except for approach the gates and ask very nicely to come in. Okay, one of you uh, is going to have to lead my bat over there. <laughs> because still just struggling with getting out. Uh, bat the flies away with you still on it. Yeah, harness is just fully loose now. Cleek is dangling under underneath the bat the entire time it was flying. The bat kind of lands on her. Oh, man. Alonzo sees you arrive. Very well. And so... With the assistance of a wonderful teammate, uh, Klika is freed from her horrific ride. Um, you were the only home I ever knew. Give the bat a big hug before it flies off. <laughs> Very well. And so with that, the party sit here about half mile or so, quarter mile or so away from the entrance. Uh, again, well lit, and it seems like there are guards situated out front. Well, yeah, and you know, think, think of it this way, right? We could attempt to uh, sneak in or g- get inside by some sort of duplicity, and perhaps eventually be discovered later as if thieves, and be in a worse position than uh, come in showing our palms from the beginning, and uh, build and building trust that way uh, by being honest up front, regardless of how much unfriendliness they choose to invite upon us. Yeah, Klika likes this plan the best because then Klika doesn't have to lie or be sneaky or be anxious the whole time. Klika can just walk in. Very well. But of course, this carries risks. We may very well be clapped in irons and brought to the dungeons immediately as opposed to having some time to maybe discover where this mysterious woman has gotten to. So, well, before the same thing happening. But don't worry, because then Domero will come and let us out and teleport us away, and then we go back to Avi, and then Chazelle has to go through a whole big adventure and find us, and it's, you know, it's like we did it, and then she does it, and now we're best friends. Even if that was true, I wouldn't count on it. Mm. Klika sees her entire plan fall apart in front of her. By the, the cold, calculated, cruel <laughs> hand of the dwarf. <laughs> That's a dumb idea. <laughs> Slowly <Yeah>. frowning. <laughs> I didn't say it was dumb. I said it wasn't to be counted on. <laughs> Very good. Klika Leave it to the kindness read of the dwarf. Between the lines. <laughs> Klika oh. can't read much, but... Are we going to come back for the bats and try and leave that way? No, I think they're leaving for good with uh, Kalamaza. 
Well, they're going to be, the plan was to have them hang out in the cliffs at the mountain pass where you guys came through. So that way, when it was time to vamoose, the bats wouldn't have to be hanging out in daylight in the middle of the desert. And instead, he could kind of direct the fleet. They're they're there in reserve if we need them. Uh, But that's like, oh man, we got to go. Like yesterday. Which I'm sure that won't happen. Maybe we should have kick, maybe stay with the bats to help protect them. So he's going to be back with Kalmaza? Uh, well, I'm asking the group. Because the bats are headed back to Kalmaza after dropping you off. Yeah, yeah. And Anton just gives a shrug. If we want to, if this isn't going to be a safe place for. Kick the cat. People like, yeah, for him, it might be best <laughs> to keep him away. Well, I don't think it's going to be a safe place for any of us, but I also no, think... Apparently, these are the unfriendliest people in the world. I think Kick the Click might be a bit jumpy on the trigger, so maybe it would be best for him to hang back or for them to hang back for this. And Todd just gives a nod. He, could, could he, he kind of leaves it to Kalika and Jarzak to communicate it to him. I think you're right. They never liked him. We That's what it really is. Okay, well, then I'll activate my speak with insects and let Click know. All right. And Kick the Click seems... Uh, Again, as cold and calculated as he can be, he says, but who will protect you? We, we have all of us for protection. The bats have no one, and we need them to get out of here. You, Are the bats you have the, the most important job to make sure they survive. And so, not yet understanding what a lie is, uh, Kick the Click hops on the back of one of the bats that he just came in on and... Almost directing the fleet himself flies back in the night. <laughs> Just like, well, that was easy. Like, what'd you say to him? Huh. Some bullshit. Well, uh, whoever thought the bug man was such a natural flyer? Well, he's probably the only one besides Klika and Kalamazo who can speak with the bats, so it makes sense. True. He can talk inside so, your head if he touches you. And they've been touching a lot. <laughs> oh my. I was going to say, Norhill's just like, he what? <laughs> <laughs> this whole time, Klinka Jarzak and them drinking rabbit blood. Klinka just pulls out a little fucking stash of rabbit blood. Norhill, you want some of this shit? <laughs> <laughs> he talks in your head, Jarzak. I mean, uh, Norhill. He talks in your head. Turns out he's the elder Torah that's been following the party. Oh God, no! <laughs> Just good old oh. kick the click. Um. Anywho, um, yeah. So with that, the party stands before the gates, quarter mile away. The plan is to nicely ask for entry. Yeah. Okay. So who's approaching? Yeah, Todd's gonna approach. Yeah, it's Norhill's idea. He'll go first. 
jars that I the Intos? Are we all well, just walking up? Yeah, we're all going to walk we're all just walking up. Yeah, like hand the, in hand. Like a, just like the Wizard of Oz, we're all walking yep. up. Okay. Do we so want to do it, it by height? Or do we want to do short people in the middle? Or do we want to do short people on the outside? One Wait. short, one Wait, tall, one short, one tall. are we doing short, it like arms tall? interlinked? Like really going Wizard of Oz? Arms interlinked? Who's Dorothy? Like, <laughs> is Klika Dorothy? Klika's Dorothy. That's, that's, <laughs> All right, yeah. now who's Toto? Oh, wait, there's a total. Oh, I thought we were. I was going to say, who's the scarecrow? Is that Jarzak? Yeah, Jared. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> that checks out. <laughs> he ripped my arm off and he threw it over there. So I think Anton would be the lion, which makes Norhill the tin man. <laughs> Perfectly logical. <laughs> well, we're off to see Chazelle, the wonderful wanderer of Azkabellum. Oh my god. Anyways, it's been fun. Before. See ya. I think he the click was Toto and we just told him to go away. Oh no. <laughs> we saved Toto. Oh, does that mean Wait, Chazelle's the witch? The wicked witch of the West. Oh, the Herald of Steel. <laughs> just shooting iron spikes at people. Just like, this is way more dark. Um, I Flying monkeys, the helmed horrors. But anyway, oh um, god, oh god, <laughs> of a different color, just bats. Um, well, I mean, we did technically kind of visit the lollipop guild. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> no, where the Dan lollipop... reveals the secret. He's just based everything off the Wizard of Oz. Shut up! You're gonna meet Ira, and she's gonna be like, "Silence! Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain." just a gnome it's just felt this <laughs> he's just back there the old man just like shit but anyway um yeah so with that the quartet approach the the uh gate here um standing are two pikemen wearing garb that i would say you guys have kind of seen before but this garb seems a little bit more regimented wearing what appears to be like thick chitinous armor maybe made from like scorpion tails and whatnot and pieces of like carapace that have been fixed together into a chest plate and whatnot. They seem to be wearing tight fitting robes and uh, like head robes and stuff like that. Things to sort of just contain everything, but basically their eyes and their fingers. And the gentleman standing here at the gate as you approach guarding the portcullis, which goes all the way up and above the walls around it. You guys can hear the sounds of people shifting feet up top. Uh, and looking up at the gate towers, you guys can see that there's at least like four spearmen up top looking down at you guys, and the two pikemen on the outside, as you get within like a hundred feet, shout out into the distance where you guys are, and ask, Halt! Who is it? Who are you? I am called Norhill Hammerstone, an emissary from distant lands. And they kind of look back and forth at one another, and they say, State your business. Uh, we are weary travelers. Oh. Uh, go ahead. We are weary travelers looking for rest and hopefully the guidance of your people. And with that, they look back and forth at one another. They say, Emissaries looking for guidance. You seek- know where you are. We seek out Chazelle. Well, with that, 
Uh, Hi, I'm Klika. Norhill and and kind of look at Jarzak because Norhill was going to say it, but was holding back. Uh, Anton was obviously trying to deflect from the quest. Jarzak just went right for it. So anyway, uh, with that, the two gentlemen speak to one another, and it seems like the spearmen up top disappear from view for a hot second, and eventually the portcullis begins to raise, and a series of four more pikemen step out with uh, long spears pointed near general direction, um, and one man comes out of the distance, coming around the corner out of a building, and he himself is wearing what could be described as like actual plate mail, and he looks to be wearing very regal attire. He, however, is not as like bound up in, in covered as everybody else is and as he approaches his hair is that deep red color sort of like Anton's hair and he looks kind of similar to him definitely a lot more of like a rugged and masculine version of Anton sort of like an apex male approaching in a very cliche way and as he does he stomps heartily into the sands kicking up some of the sand from the cobblestone street that he stands on and he barks out at you and he says who are you I've heard word you ask of Chazelle what is your business, emissaries of foreign lands? Jarzak, we wish to speak with her. And with that, he says, My name is Gondif. I am captain of the guard here. What is your business with her? We wish to learn more of your lands and your people. We find this island is very divided and would rather know everything that goes on with it. All right. I'm pulling back the DM curtain here just so we know that we have three players in three different games right now. Norhill approached this being like, we are emissaries. Let me in because I'm an important person. Anton's like, I'm lost. Tell me of your lands. And Jarzak's like, where is she? (laughs) We keep reiterating this. We have four different because we also have, hi, I'm Cleek. Who hasn't been just, brought up yet? Klika's just trying to get the introductions in. She's wondering if she should introduce herself as Klika again. Well, we and get. So, well, I want to know, know. more I'm, about I'm just her because I know the king of Ascabella wants her, and I don't think these people like the king, so I kind of want to avoid talking about him. I know. I just think it's him. funny that like every time asking like, "What are you here for?" I get three very different answers, and it's just he's just like I trying we were to figure going out like, with what? honesty, guys. Yeah, this is where we get like the half truths. Um, but uh, with that, he says, Very well, I can take you to her, but I warn you at this time of night, it, it he sort of shrugs a little bit to the to the pikeman around him and he says, I suppose it is my duty. Yes, very well, you may enter. And with that, he kind of gives like a gesture in your general direction and a series of like 10 other pikemen come out from the uh, different scurrying holes here and the portcullis towers here and five on each side of your uh, quartet sort of line the group and then circle you guys. And the portcullis closes behind you as you wander into the city here of Eurostetting. And as you guys enter, you can tell, I mean, looking inside, it's not that much fancier than anything you've seen before. It's just sort of like what would happen if this an ancient city was kept very well, like intact. But the one most like jarring and unexplainable thing for you guys right now is there's just fountains like everywhere. And there is just running water and like little small man-made kind of like little trinkle, like a little twinkling little 
uh, trickling rivers here, just like little bridges cro like crossing everywhere. There's just so much water flowing from anywhere and everywhere that like the humidity alone walking in here is just astonishing. And like, it's like 20 degree cooler than anywhere else outside, just because of how much water is just out in the open around here. And you guys can see like small greens and grasses and uh, uh, lichens growing on like the sides of buildings and whatnot. And it's just, it's a completely different feeling having come into here. Um, but as you guys are walked into here, was there anything you guys wanted to do or talk about as you're being led through the town? Does Anton feel that presence still? No. Nope. Okay. I think he's just going to take in the scenery. Okay. Uh, it's and nighttime so right now, right? Yeah, it's the dead of night. But there are still torches and things held up around places, and guards seem to be keeping a very tight watch. I think Cleek is going to sort of look at the sky to center her, or at least find her star, and her compatriot stars, and then, I don't know, she knows that this Chazelle has lived a long time, that Delmoreau aided her, uh, and that they traveled through the same sort of teleportation or a similar teleportation system like Kliga did at one point so she's gonna sort of look to the sky to see if she can notice any stars or something that might give her an idea about Chazelle who's traveled to a tele star portal Kliga and Chazelle unless she just was invisible the whole time and huffing it which is pretty good too but Kliga is under the assumption that she she got whisked away to the land yeah, of the immortals check, and stuff. You check the star log and it says last online user was you. So the log is so convenient. It really why, is. Why didn't you check out what we were in, <clears throat> in the city? <laughs> like, damn. Um, and so with that, as you guys are led deeper into this place, you start to notice small bits of like, uh, how do I say it? Like mosaic and stone, colored stone that has been sort of gathered from the small like hillock sort of mountainous thingy here that the town is sort of framed around um, or at least adjacent to. There's tons of like mosaic images on like the street, on the walls, over the fountains, in the fountains, in the streams of a woman with silverish hair who appears to be beautiful, tranquil, rather peaceful looking. Uh, aged but wise and like still youthful enough looking and lively but her imagery is just absolutely everywhere and it's absolutely in everybody's knowledge that this is era and this place just has an era of fascination that I guess would come with being named after her and having a fanatic cult living within named after her as well but with that nothing looks like creepy about it she looks just very beast uh, very peaceful and beautiful so, you know, no, like, images of her, like, eating infidels or anything like that. Like, she's just hanging, right? And for what it's worth, I mean, the place is so tranquil and peaceful that it's, like, kind of creepy in its own right. You know, having gone from, you know, Tarulo and seeing how they lived there and seeing this place, which has, like, plants growing in windowsills and, like, small potted plants with, like, fruit and vegetables growing and, like, windows. Like, this is just a different place, right? Um 
But as you guys are led down closer and closer to what appears to be at the base of that giant rocky mountain thing there, a giant temple, you guys get stopped uh, about a quarter of the way away from that far wall at a large reinforced structure that appears to be something of like a jail slash guard tower. Uh, and this place is just, you know, I don't want to say swamped and surrounded by the guards, but, you know, it it's got a lot of people outside and on watch. And so with that, he leads you guys over to the door to the reinforced structure over here. A few of the pikemen step aside, let you guys in very gingerly. And as he leads the way in, uh, he stops at the doorway and kind of gestures each and every one of you guys in one at a time. And as he does, he has like an individual pikeman appear before you, sort of zippering you guys in with guard, party member, guard, party member, until you've been led inside. And it appears that there's at least 20 of these pikemen surrounding the party. And this place is just like surrounded you absolutely to the teeth. That if you guys, you know, uh, were ever afraid that maybe you had been had or maybe been taken in having said too much, now's the time to feel regret as the entire room of them with blade in hand uh, turn to you guys slowly but surely as uh, the captain of the guard turns to you all and he says, if you wish to speak with her, you will be staying here. If you do not wish to speak with her, I'm afraid you will also be staying here. For someone such as any of you does not just walk into such a holy place as this and expect to walk around freely. We will need to scrub and scour the path that you've walked, each and every one of you. And I can only pray that the air you have breathed in is not so far tainted that Era's light and Era's cleansing waters cannot bathe the place with purifying grace. I have pity on all of you for thinking you could come to a place such as this. Lead them to their cells. Perhaps Chazelle needs some company. Uh, what would we know about Ira? Uh, from what you've heard over all this time, uh, Ira is a goddess who has been around for a long time. It doesn't seem like she's falling out of favor or anything like that. But on the islands of Azkabellum here, the Avian people have worshipped her since Ascabellans came here in the first place and took over, but she had gone missing in the past few hundred years. And it sort of led to the wonderful wastelands out here. She's a goddess of currents, water, sea travel, clouds, rain, all that kind of good wet stuff. And she's seen as a benevolent goddess who cares for people, but in a way that's kind of like hands-off parenting. Like the tools are there for you to have a good life. She's not holding your hand, but she's careful and kind enough to not throw a thunderstorm your way when you're out on a raft. You get what I'm saying? And her followers, for the most part, are peaceful people, like those who follow the Illuminator. So this is very strange to hear people talking in this way. Okay. And when we've spoken with, with Chazelle and we've followed all of your instructions, we'll be free to go. And he says, <laughs> I suppose... That's the reasonable thing to do, isn't it? But these are difficult times. And the high priest, the hierophant himself says, none are allowed to enter and leave. And you wanted to come in here and speak with her. And as your dying wish, I shall grant it. By the grace of Ira, I am such a gentleman. And with that, he gives one guiding hand towards one of the back hallways that appears to lead to a small prison chamber down below the place. And he points that way. And 
starts to bark orders for all of you to be guided down to Chazelle. So what do you do as they immediately start roughly pushing each of you about four guards to each, I mean, five guards to each and every one of you. Go with them. I mean, the, the fighting back definitely doesn't look good. So for now, I guess Norhill will allow himself to be led. Okay. And as you guys pass uh, along here and pass by the guard here, Gundif, um, your possessions begin slowly but surely being like lifted from your persons by the roomful of people. So all weapons on sheets, all things like that are just lifted and taken, including backpacks and vessels like that. So for the most part, everybody has everything taken from them other than the armor that they're wearing or concealed weaponry. What about shields? What about my glove? The shields as well. Yeah, not the glove. Did the okay. lantern go? Because things would turn w- way differently if my <laughs> <laughs> the lantern is not actually taken since it's Dude. just like kind of latched on your belt. And I don't imagine you have like belt pouches or anything like that. No, I don't well, think they took Anton, that from you either. Anton just asks, I'm, "Why were we then even admitted into your city?" As your says, as you've mentioned, your high priest said, "Do not allow to enter and leave." Why did we enter then? Why not stop us at the gate? I was just doing my part to assist you in your dying wish. Uh, Could you think that this is just a classic misunderstanding of the English language? I said that in air quotes. Where when he said enter and leave, he meant enter and then leave. Whereas you assumed it meant enter or leave. That he looks confused, goes cross-eyed for a hot second, uncrosses his eyes, and points down the hallway silently and says, Go. Who said anything about dying? Not I. And with a sly smile pointing that way, the guards begin to roughly push you guys in a very public transportation on the subway at rush hour kind of way. Just hub, 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 shoving you guys down the way. And as you guys are marched down this way, the light begins to fade and recede as you guys are led down into a small little prison cell down here, or at least a series of cells. And you see one single candlelight in the distance lit. And as you guys are tossed into individual cells in sort of a cube, uh, each one of you guys sort of uh, uh, connecting and sort of like, you know, one, two, three, four, sort of like upper left, upper right, bottom left, bottom right kind of way. Uh, Each of you gets an individual cell. And across from, I'm going to say, Kalika's cell and uh, Norhill's cell facing that direction, uh, you guys can see uh, Chazelle, assumedly, uh, is sitting over by that individual little candlelight. A few torches are lit and placed on the walls, and the guards just begin to kind of march back upstairs and close the door behind them. And Chazelle just sits on a small bed and looks back at you guys. Chazelle, I presume. As you approach with hands on the bars and she looks over to you guys gingerly and she says, why, yes, many know me as that. And who might you be? I am called Norhill Hammerstone, Lord of the Halls of Silver and Steel. And we have undertaken a a great quest to find you. And she says, my, 
How far you've traveled, I can only imagine. But for a dwarf to come all this way, truly, you have journeyed far. For that, you should be proud. And she lets out kind of a very grandmotherly little snickering kind of laugh to herself, as if she's not locked in a dungeon in a fanatical city. It's, it's the little things, right? Meeting somebody you didn't expect to in prison. <laughs> Versus the campaign's just a hardcore prison RP. Deal with it, bitches. <laughs> oh, no. Go to the yard and lift. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I don't think could craft another shiv. <laughs> I don't like this campaign anymore. Anton just listens in and he can't see her, but he says I mean you can heard- see through you can see through the bars. Again, it's like wow. having like four how do I say this? Each one has four walls. Uh, that all go up to the ceiling, but these walls, it's just bars. So you guys are locked in sort of like, if there was one giant cage and then they put a giant plus mark in the middle of it to to bisect it into four parts. That's what's going on. And it's just the case that Klika and Norhill are the closest to her with a small hallway in between. Whereas Jarzak is like directly adjacent to Klika's and yours is ad- directly adjacent to, Ant- uh, to Norhill's. Like you guys could like high five through the bars. Anton just notes, he says, we've heard many things of you in our travels. The last thing I thought of what would happen to you here is to be in prison. I thought you had some form of a connection with your children. And with that, she kind of shakes her head a little bit and she says, well, I mean, a connection is true. Yes, I do. Unfortunately, they are very persuaded to behave in a certain way. And, you know, I can't blame them for handling Ira's disappearance as they did. But, you know, I just felt some need to come here all of a sudden, some sort of strange pull. It's kind of like how the tide recedes. And then it comes back. I felt the tide pulling me myself. So I came here. I felt... Something pulling harder and harder at my soul. So, well, listen to me. I don't mean to sound so foolish in these parts. Many don't truly speak of Era or the gods of old, but they'll call me a fool. But I still believe. I believe in Santa Claus. Um, and so with that, she just kind of uh, nods a couple times and she says, Something told me to come by here, and I had to cash in some favors with some friends. <clears throat> the wastelands are not pleasant, and they're not friendly, to say the least. So it was hard to get here, but <clears throat> I think she was looking out for me. Well, it was pretty easy <clears throat> for Klika. All you gotta do is befriend uh, formerly enslaved uh, Avian, <coughs> and then He'll lead you in a little bit, and then you have to uh, befriend a mortally wounded uh, Thrycrane, and they'll lead you in some more. And then you meet uh, Desmodu, and they'll fly you through some tunnels, and that's a lot of fun. And then you come here, and then you're in prison. Pretty easy. And so that she kind of nods a couple times, and she says, true. 
True, I will agree that to get to such a place definitely took quite a lot of friends and a lot of adventuring, but I think in a strange way, it's through the grace of Ira herself that I was able to do it. I mean, I've been on this, this, this island, this place for a long, long time. I still remember Ira. I remember seeing her once as a little girl. And I swear since that day, I've been blessed with her grace. But as she begins to wane, I feel it waning in me as well. Ah, what do I know? I just want peace for everyone. I want everybody to know the tranquility of a cool pool of water out here in the wastelands. I want everybody to know the feeling of soft grasses under their toes. I want them all to smell sea air and not think desperation, damnation. This is my place. I wish for peace. I think you all do as well. God just gives a solemn nod and he thinks about, he was wondering if they had the same pole. And for him, he's a little confused because for him, he imagined it was the illuminator. But he's not going to bring that up. She's, she's just also a religious fanatic. She's like, the Illuminator? Guards! Guards! I don't know! <laughs> uh, it is well that you speak of peace. Uh, the, the mission that led us to seek you out is the king had hoped that through you, there might be peace between the Ascabellas and the Avians. And then and that- through that peace, uh, the great threat which you know, bring, which will one day bring a shadow to all lands, might be undone before it reaches that point. She, in an almost like not hearing you kind of way, she kind of nods and, and chuckles grandmotherly to herself again. She says, yes, 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 peace, peace, peace. Everybody turns to me to solve problems and be the, the one to bring peace. But look, at the end of the day, I can only do so much. I can provide them with a nod, a gesture, maybe a smile and a good meal. But see, I can't bring peace to this land. Unity will bring peace. And I think unity can only come forward when truth has been found. Frankly, I sort of expect myself to die here. When I was pulled here, it was some sort of force telling me that I needed to be here. And I came because that same force has guided me and saved me for so many years, centuries now. And she kind of just looks down at her feet in the darkness and she says, and if my journey is a failure and I could not help whoever was calling me, so be it. But I tried and my faith never wavered. Peace will be found when the truth is revealed. If you can figure out the truth of this place, then I suppose unity will be had. I don't think the Avians will hate the Azkabellans so long as they're treated with their own dignity and respect. It's what they've always wanted. Peace, dignity, and respect. But the Azkabellans need to understand they caused this harm. And those sorts of pains cannot be undone. Moving forward will be difficult. Growth and reparation will be difficult. But it can be done. 
with understanding. Wait, you you mentioned that this was because of the Ascabellum. I always imagined this had to do with the not exactly disappearance, but the lack of presence of era. You're you're telling me that had to do with the Ascabellum. No, she disappeared. We don't know why. Something happened. It was nearly three hundred years ago now. I still remember the screaming, but she disappeared and many don't, nobody really knows why or where she went. But Azkabellans had been here long before she left. It was a green and beautiful place thanks to Ira's gifts. But without her, the island itself may as well die, vanishing into a, a bit of waste. The wastelands have been growing for hundreds of years now. The more her power wanes, the more the islands recede and die. Can, can Anton do an insight? Is this, if she's mentioning remembering the screams from 300 years ago, this woman's not a normal human. We already knew that. If you remember correctly, that, that guard who was on guard duty having to watch her was talking about how she's like, Apparently, she's like older than literal dirt. Like she well, is I'm just. I'm trying to figure out why. Like, is she just like a really healthy human being? Does she have like <laughs> health blood in her? What's... I mean, Norhill's currently uh, operating under the assumption that it's some sort of a blessing or a boom. But also, you know, three hundred years is pretty good for a dwarf, so that's like standard. I mean, in this light, she doesn't appear to be anything more than a human. Hmm. Interesting. In a different light, she's just a fucking elf. <laughs> the blessings of Ira have been growing the wasteland for so long. Yes, they've been what? Uh, the, the 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 loss of the blessings of Ira have caused the wasteland to grow for so long. Whence comes the water of this city? I've seen nothing but fountains. Well, she's here. Somewhere deep down below this place, the holy grottos below, the blessed waters. I don't know what is down there in the sanctum below the temple, but I think she called me, and I think she called me here. I think it's her down there, and I think she's dying. That would explain the strange fanaticism of the city and this people, despite... Uh, and its people, despite that not seeming to be reflected in Yuris' character. Well, that's why I stopped coming here. Nearly a century ago, it seemed like the blessings of the people here have shifted. A long time ago, nearly a hundred years ago, this was a peaceful place. They were friendly people, and this was a hidden location from Azkabellan's reign, and Many of the Avians called this place home. It was a pilgrimage, a journey to this place. There was still grass. Grass outside the walls. But as their rule became more and more fanatical, her power dwindled. Or perhaps her power dwindled because they became more fanatical. All I know is the Hierophant does not speak the same peace 
that was spoken a hundred years ago. He speaks of destroying martyrs in hopes of preserving the waters that we have here. I think that these individuals have been behind many of the crimes that have faced Azkabellans, cultists and fanatics, hoping to make amends and appease Ira by eliminating all who would do anything but worship her fanatically. Azkabellans are seen as the killers and they are seen as the ones who drove her away. I think it makes sense that if you wish for peace, you have to somehow reach them. I don't know how you'll do that, but I imagine Yira may know how to do so. If Yira could be freed, could she be healed? To heal an immortal seems an impossible task for that which may ail somebody older than the stars. I don't think that's the kind of thing that requires a medicine. Um, you mentioned that you came back here because you were pulled here even though you knew it would likely end up in the situation you are now if you were free to go wherever you want now that you're here what would you do you mean if i were to leave this prison cell and go anywhere else in the land or here and I mean, I suppose I would try to find out where I was being called to. And I imagine it's the temple. Should we all take her to the temple then? Oh, we have to find a way out of these cells first. Seems like the logical step to take. We'll have to free ourselves from these cells first and recover our equipment. Oh, okay. Uh, Kliga's just going to try and cast Mage Hand real quick. Does Mage Hand appear? Yeah. Okay. Uh, there aren't any guards in the room, I'm assuming, since we've been having yep. this whole conversation. All right. Uh, Kliga's just going to Dimension Door over to, I guess, Norhill's cell first. Oh. In it or out or outside of it? In it. Okay. Uh, yeah, Klika can get us out pretty easy. Um, but perfectly put it, the door between two cells so both people can walk out at once. It'll be difficult, I guess, to get our stuff back without bloodshed. She says, Well, I didn't know you had such gifts to yourself. Perhaps we can work together. See. I have some blessings that are hard to explain, but I think I know a way to clear out the guardhouse. The best I can do is that. And perhaps you can go upstairs, fetch the keys and your belongings and escape. I'll stay here. Uh, Uh, What will you do so that we can prepare ourselves? And so with that, she says, I'm thinking in the next five minutes you'll be given a window of time to get out and she sort of closes her eyes very tightly she puts her hands on the bars as she's speaking to you guys and she just kind of focuses a little bit 
And as you guys can see through the small window, uh, the barred window leading up to like the surface outside, you guys can see clouds very quickly rolling in over the process of like a minute, two minutes. And you can hear people upstairs like stomping around and running around. And as if to like kind of add crescendo to our eyes opening, you guys can hear the the telltale signs of uh, heavy rain as like thick quarter sized raindrops start to splatter outside, thumping on the street. And people begin to cheer and rush out to the streets as if like witnessing a miracle. And so with that, she says, as she kind of like takes a seat and like falls down on her butt, she says, I don't really have much of the energy to do this sort of thing again, but I think they may be more concerned with that than you at this point. They're martyrs at anything to prove that their God is well is enough to keep them busy. But you have to hurry. Right, of course. Ready, Klika? Uh, let's go. Okay, uh, so Klika will dimension door her and Norhill out. Uh, I can probably dimension door one other person out with us if we want them. I mean, you could just get the keys upstairs. Let's try and get the keys first. Uh, how strong do these cells look? Pretty strong. Okay. Can Anton do either a quick insight or whatever check just to see what kind of magic she used? I mean, with a very simple like just glance at her focusing like that, either she's some kind of wild sorceress, just like Klika is, or she's using holy magics. And the fact that she like, I don't know, focused so hard as she did and used something, a spell kind of akin to what you did when you were controlling the waters out on the vessel, mm. it seems like this was holy magic of an aquatic variety. Ah. Okay. Uh, so Klinga will use five sorcery points to get her fourth level spell back. And then okay. grab Norhill and I guess um, do you know Klinga will try and take us upstairs. Do you, can you give Klinga some maybe directions? It would The more Klinga knows about where she's going, the easier it is. Did Norhill happen to notice where they were taking our things as they sort of lifted them off of us? Yeah, I mean, having, you know, dealt with prisons in your life and dealt with being a, you know, a soldier of, of you know, various levels here, uh, you know that they definitely have, like, a storage room for this sort of thing. But because this happened within, like, 30 minutes ago, it wouldn't surprise you if the intake and the lawful good nature of these folks means that it's still all being painfully written down on paper what they have from you guys and to what quantity and everything. So it seems like all your belongings would probably still be sitting on a table, like in clear view. Uh-oh. I mean, specifically the keys that are in a room above us. Yeah, I mean, the keys would likely either be on like a wall hanger or in somebody's pocket. But being a guard post, I imagine they'd one have multiple keys, and two, they'd probably be pretty available for whoever is doing the guard duty. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Norhill's just going to make like a really rough, like mental map of what he's seen so far. Well, I expect that their front office is probably right by the entrance. And she that says, "You should hurry because I don't know how much longer I'll be able to keep their attention with this." Okay. Yeah. So, click it. will grab Norhill and uh, what were you saying if it's going to affect this Jared 
What? No, no. No, okay. I was I was just gonna ask if I could do something, but well, because I was just want to do it. Uh, would the lock hold up to some acid damage? Yeah, likely. That's Again, this perfect. is a pretty. These are sturdy cells. This is kind of like the high quality cells down here in the basement. Okay, yeah. So Clicker will grab Norhill and uh, try and take us to if Norhill draws out the map. Click can visualize it and dimension door to where they think the keys are going to be. Uh, Norhill oh. will just explain it. Oh, yeah, I mean, it, it's honestly going to be like not even 100 feet away from you guys are standing directly outside the cell. Like, this is a quick jog, run upstairs, grab it on the door. Well, like, we're still... Yeah, I was going to try and warp us right there instead of just outside the cell. You know what I mean? Like, take us from true, inside. True. Okay. Norhill. Yeah, so you basically teleport like 10 feet up and you pop up upstairs in that big main floor where they had all the guards set up and situated for the uh, for the jail here. And you pop up and see, like, outside the windows, there's just, like, 20 guards outside running around in the rain and, like, on knees with arms spread wide and just getting pelted with raindrops and screaming blessings of era. And as you look around in here, the door's been hanged, like, wide open. There's nobody in here at all. The you know the front door is wide open. The guard doors, uh, or at least the door down to the jail cells, blows closed. But like all of your belongings and everything are just spread out on a series of like dining tables here in the main office. And there's keys just sitting on the table that they used to lock you guys in, like not even thirty minutes ago. All right. Uh, yeah. Norhill's just gonna gather an armful and get ready to start running downstairs unless Klico wants to do anything. No, Klico will just help Norhill. She knows. Jarzak's weapon doesn't really matter at this point. Uh, she knows Anton's not going to use his weapon, so she'll just grab her shield, Jarzak's shield. Uh, I'm assuming Norhill's going to fully equip himself and then yep. fill his arms. Anton has a shield. Anton has a shield, yep. Did I say Anton? I thought I said Jarzak and Anton's shield. That's what I meant. Yeah. Fair grab every, and my, yeah, yeah. and All the yeah. shields. Essentially, yes, all the shields. <laughs> <laughs> so, an important part of the inventory. So, in the span of and, about and five also, is minutes, is there an inventory that's partway through being written up? Yeah, basically, they wrote down like the beginnings of like a heading list where they mentioned who had what, and they just didn't use any names in particular other than what was provided. So, Klika and Norhill. Yeah, uh, Norhill's going to take that, too, just to throw a little bit of a monkey wrench <laughs> in, in, into the whole thing. Devious. Right. We were even here. Click will make sure to grab Flicker as well. Very well. And so uh, with that, in the span of like three to five minutes, the party manages to unlock all the doors, get everybody's stuff all together, grab up all the stuff that's been like, you know, Halloween candied all over the table. And at this point, it seems like people outside are going to start to come back in. And as you guys were leaving the last time, the jail cells here, um, Chazelle seems to have gotten up and is laying on her little straw bed that's been provided in the room. And she's like sleeping soundly. Um, but yeah, very, very tranquilly sleeping here. All right. She's Norhill was going to give her a cell key, but I, I guess not while she's asleep. Do you not think we should take her with us? I don't know what they'll do to her if we leave her here. 
if we leave her here with the shell locked and all of us gone, I think it's safe to say that they might assume that she had nothing to do with it and will leave her alone. I mean, but if are you guys back down with us? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but if the temple's calling her, shouldn't we try to take her to the temple with us? Clinko's Hanson wants to talk about how he's being called too. Clinko's also worried that they'll know that she was able to call Lorraine down. Clinko doesn't know her relationship to these people, but he's Clinko's worried about her. I think we must take her with us. That calling she mentioned. It called to me too. But I don't know. All right know. then. Uh, the, and Norhill goes and uh, opens the cell to try and uh, sh- uh, shake her awake. No no rest for the weary, Mr. Zell. We must go. She lies still as stone. Yeah, I was just going to try to get Is she alive? Yeah, is she dead? He lies still as stone. Um, Anton? Can you do a... Can I do, do like, a super quick medicine check? I mean, feeling her pulse. She's not breathing. Wait, she's not breathing? She is is laying there still as stone. Okay, still as stone can also just mean very still there. That's how Um, Kate the Click spends a majority of time. Anton's going to do a medicine check. True. Norhill initially looks very grim. It's all got a seven. I think that might have been the last of her strength. That's how everybody just kind of takes a look at her. And yeah, she's just laying there, like, eyes closed, very tranquilly, arms crossed on her chest, and just not breathing. And with that, you guys can hear the sounds of people outside kind of saying their last praises to uh, to Ira. Anton's going to give a little bit of a, just a quick a last rites. No time. We must be gone. I think Click is going to just get up right next to her and just sort of look at her. And Click had a lot of hopes that she would be someone that Klika could relate to, another immortal or something in those veins that could help Klika understand what she was going through. And there's just a deep sadness in seeing someone who has lived as long as she has. Yeah, a reality of looking at somebody, I guess the starkness of the reality of looking at somebody dead and like that close that was just living like that sense that you could have potentially related to her and seeing that she was like this fragile a person and this could have broken her spirit to the point she finally let go like it, it's just such a stark moment for Klika to remember like she may be that much more rare of a being than she gives herself credit and Klika may just be like that abnormal that like when you finally meet somebody like oh checks off the boxes like lives forever has special powers and like ooh let's see brings about unity and then you meet her and then she dies after casting a spell and yeah like, I mean, like nope, even okay. Dom- domaro took a special interest in her it's just like she was yeah and just i i think like what was i gonna say it's just like disheartening 
Uh, yeah, that, but like also just fuck. I, I lost it. Um, it's fine. Mourn her sacrifice when the battle is done and her and her contribution has won us the day. Then uh, will be the time to be shot. Oh, that's what it was. Uh, Kleeko's just going to say out loud, Kleeko really hates this island. <laughs> just a lot of death in front of Kleeko that she doesn't understand. Again. Uh, once again, this island has proved to Kleeko that People come here, they die a lot for very, no good reason. Click has yet to see a death that meant anything this entire time. Her death still can't. If we move now. Yeah, the words she had said before about how she wouldn't bring unity, but understanding would bring unity, rings true in Klika's head as she feels like abandoned by her death. And as everybody hurries up the stairs, seeing a back door leading to an alleyway in the back, and seeing guards now shuffling to come back in after dramatically leaving their post for the rain, you guys uh, have an opportunity to skip and run out. Luckily, the guardhouse is right next door to the temple, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty close by. So, did everybody want to just run out? Yeah, yeah. Kleek is going to respond to Hill. Um, yeah, Kleek is sorry that she got held up. It's We're going to do this and then keep going. Fair enough. And so with that, the party run out the uh, door there and go running down the back alley, heading towards that giant stone structure. Did anybody want to stop before running up to the temple for anything? I mean, just real quick to make sure that, like, nobody is, like, out in the street who will catch us before we reach the doors. Yeah, Clicko will get a long rest if we're just going to stop. <laughs> if you're asking if we're going to stop, yeah, Clicko will get a long rest to get all your shit back. That'd be great. Yeah, I'm sure having left a dead body behind in the jail, having broken out of it inexplicably, I'm sure you'll be okay to just long rest somewhere. Should have just fucking spent the night in jail. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you want to, you could theoretically try to find a tavern. No. Not here. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it's almost like we stick out like sore thumbs. Uh, They'll know us in a moment. I mean, the only thing that would make this whole situation worse would be if Jarzak started feeling prickles on the back of his neck running into the dark alley. Oh, God. Could you imagine if uh. I did that? And so with that, the uh, party... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but with that, the party uh, continued running in the direction of Wait, the did uh, we? Did we have temple. any other items and stuff that got left behind? No, you guys scooped everything okay. that time. Okay. Yeah, you guys did a good job of that. Um, and so with that, the uh, party rush towards the temple grounds. And after passing by a, a few large buildings and in between some of them, you guys stop in a dark corner crevice between a couple of buildings and see the entrance to the temple in the distance. And the temple itself is sort of its own miniature fortress, but the gate to it seems wide open. And the rain that has gone overhead leaves small puddles in the road leading up to it. And it doesn't seem like the entrance is guarded at all. I was going to ask, does it seem like they, they uh, the gate is being guarded? 
No, but I will say again, it's like because of the mountainous structure of the place behind it, like just behind it, the temple is almost like built into sort of like uh, kind of like a U shape in the mountain. So it's kind of like nudged directly into there. Like the wall guarding the front of it is just like a single straight line of wall with a doorway on it, if that makes any sense at all. So with that, there's one way apparently into this as well. I will say for anyone keeping track at home, Klika spent four sorcery points or five sorcery points to get her fourth level dimension door back and then she's going to convert two first level spells and or two second level spells and one first level spell to get uh five sorcery points back so very well all right it looks like they've left the door open for us no one coming uh everyone hurry and keep your eyes and ears open there could still be gongs. Yeah, I mean, down the road and like everywhere else in the city, it seems like guards are on their typical post. It doesn't seem like anybody's noticed that the, the jail has been emptied out just yet, but it seems like very quickly you're going to hear somebody scream out in the night that we've had people escape the jail. So it seems like you guys still have the element of surprise right now. But it seems like if you just ran out in the middle of the road, like if you guys were just walking by, like somebody would notice, you know. So uh, let us get inside before they raise the human cry. We have to get to the bottom of this temple. We have to find the Hierophant and maybe whatever's left of Vera. We have to solve this. Once and for all. Fair enough. All right. So is there any particular way you guys wanted to run in? I think or as we're running... Scrambling. And if mm-hmm. Klika had like a bunch of auxiliary stuff, Klika's going to hand Anton his holy garb as well. Anton's not going to put it on. He's going to keep it in the bag. <laughs> not, I, I not imagine <laughs> Norhill at least will approach the gates like cover to cover. Like, you know, he'll pop out, you know, a little bit both Yeah. Slice the pie. <laughs> Yeah, do, do that really slow, like, shoulder roll. Because over there just helping him get through it. Like, you know, <laughs> the kids in early gymnastics and stuff, they have the full support of someone else. This is what the party is all about. That's well, the real part. that, Jarzak walks through the doors. <laughs> I'm like, who's that? Anyway. Um, no, the relatives the, of Dubani uh, will be fun. Yeah, right, says the deceiver wearing a mustache. Um, But with that, the uh, party run into this entryway here, and you guys see before you the shape of the, like, inner sanctum. Uh, There's one major building here that seems to arc into the uh, back of this U-shape. But what you can tell from the overall shape of the mountains behind, it seems like they almost, like, pull down and inward, kind of like how with the ocean, like how there's, like, the giant ocean rocks, and there's, like, kind of, like, where the tide pulls down into it. You know what I mean? Like how the sand will kind of recede underneath it, given that kind of, like, gumline succulent sort of thingy there um it seems like the back of the building kind of dips down into it but the building itself that you guys can see is like the main building in this uh area here behind the wall um it's a pretty simple building sort of pill shaped i guess with large open doors with a couple of pillars guiding in and each of the pillars seem to be adorned with a statue of era and each one of them has her hair flowing like a small little waterfall into a basin in her hands and it seems to be just like a perpetual loop 
but yeah kind of in like a like greco-roman style like open like columned entrance to the place it just leads back in you can see some like ghoulish light sort of lighting the inside of the place up and from what you can see from where you've just run in to this inner sanctum it looks like there's a giant waiting pool that kind of like you know goes back the whole distance of the place but again in a very ancient greco-roman style it's like it's a long boy of a building like it just kind of stretches back so what would you like to do are there any other outbuildings uh besides the main one nope all right uh let's head in uh keep our wits about us and search for some sort of door or stairway uh, that will lead us deeper Okay, so as you guys rush into this place and run up the stairs into the uh, into the columned area here, once you run in, from what you can see at this vantage point, for a split second, there's like a couple of guys just walking around back there in robes. They don't seem to be armed. They don't seem to be dangerous or deadly or anything. They seem to just be like walking by at night, sort of walking by this giant reflecting pool. Again, this hall stretches back maybe like 100, 150 feet. And this pool of water, which is crystal clear and blue, seems to be about 100 feet of the way with statues every once in a while kind of adorning it. Each one of them of era with water flowing from the basins in their hands down into the receding pool and like even little integers along the way. But two guys are just back there and they didn't even seem to notice you guys come rushing up to the top of the stairs here and they just seem to be like standing there having a small conversation before continuing to walk onwards and around one of the bends at the end of this long hallway there's a path that leads to the left and another path that leads to the right at the farthest end of it though there's one gigantic statue of era and there's a giant sort of like circular pool at the end of it where water flows from her eyes into the pool itself uh, which way did the two guys go down the hallways? They seem like they're headed left. I think we ought to go right. I think just, so just kind of that... lost in thought, seeing all these pools and the statues of very, like their goddess and everything, and thinking back to Dustwind and the main statue, the center, and the similarities between the cities where. They're both in a very arid place and they both have statues of the thing they worship the most with water beneath it. And like it just sort of dwells on that internally as she approaches. Not really thinking, just sort of following whoever's leading the charge. Fair enough. And so as you guys go rushing, skipping over the small trickling streams of water here, and eventually make it to the uh, far side to the right, you guys can see another series of columned uh, sort of, uh, uh, I don't know how to say this, arches that lead down a pathway. And this pathway seems to lead back into like the sands. And the sands seem to lead down into that ditching structure like I had mentioned before. But it seems to be rather dark down there itself. So did you guys want to try to rush in that direction? I'm sorry, I like completely blanked your entire description. (laughs) The to the right, the hallway. Anthony, seems to Anthony, end. hold on. Pro tip: secret is to just sort of stay quiet, and someone else will have been paying attention and say what to do. Trust me. So we'll just wait for either Jarzak or Anthony to lead us on, and both of us can just sort of chill. You know, I don't have to do this podcast. The right like never the failed me. They've been good so far, but yeah, you know, I was still stuck on the giant statue of Vera, and I didn't hear where we were going. She burped at me, man. What the fuck does that mean? Is she mad? 
Is she happy? <laughs> Are we friends now? But with that, uh, as Jarzak says, the right has never led him wrong. Uh, he runs to the right <laughs> and goes down that pathway. And you guys can see in the distance, down the sandy sort of ditch, a giant rectangular door that seems to be metallic with like blue stripes all over it in sort of a pattern that kind of like, I don't want to say it, at the base is very light blue, but continues with like a very rapid thin lines until it's like more spread out. I guess from a distance, it looks like a fade from that light blue into the dark gray of the metal. But yeah, but as you guys continue down this way into the sands it does look like it's going down deeper into this mountain place and yeah so did you want to just rush down to this doorway it seems like there's nobody down here at all and really the only light illuminating it is the leftover light from the temple and the starlight fine okay so as the party continue down here you can see that the stonework around this door seems to be man-made and it doesn't seem like it's just a metallic door slapped onto a onto a stone crevice or anything like that um but as you approach closer and closer you guys can see written in the common script uh, alongside the doors it says children of era enter freely and in the center of this giant metallic door is a single handprint that seems to be outlined in a chalky white sort of shape. I put my hand with the glove on it. Do you really? Yep. That's your plan. You're going to put the demon gauntlet on there. You're just, you're just, you just, you know. So with that, uh, Jarzak, tempting all of fate. Can do a religion check on the door? Boy, she needs to be riddles. Well, hold on. As Anton begins to ponder the orb, uh, Jarzak puts his gauntleted hand onto the onto the wall here, this giant metallic door, and the stonework around the door begins to pull itself off. Okay. And it begins to come into two golem-like shapes as if like two whole giants made out of like flagstone just peel off of the walls and with dust and sand crumbling out from between the cracks that make up their strange stony torsos, uh, they both turn onto you, all of the party, and prepare to swing an unmerciful onslaught of stone upon you. And that is where we're going to end it. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter. Or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Unconscious. Unconscious.